Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, everyone. I'm just popping in at the beginning of this episode to let you know this is something slightly different. Um, unfortunately, life has got away with me over the last fortnight and I've not been able to get around to uh, making a normal episode of Macabre Mini Mysteries, which would be the next one coming up usually. So instead, I thought I would share with you the brand new show that's now on Patreon, which is called Having a Problem. And it's with my long suffering other half, Neil Murray. And um, it's just a fun show. These will be uploaded fortnightly from now on and they're just a little bit of fun really. A little bit of history, a little bit of silliness um, and lots of having a problem. There you go, I said the title. <laughs> so enjoy this one, bit longer than normal episodes as well. As I said, just haven't had time unfortunately recently because of lots of different things that have meant that I've not been able to, to create an episode. So um, please have a listen, see what you think. Um, if you want more of them, then please sign up to Patreon. At the moment, they will be exclusive on Patreon only. And just head to the link in the description to sign up there. I really hope you enjoy this episode. We had lots of fun making it. It's very silly. So here we are. So this week we are having a problem, as we always are. And the problem is with robots. and welcome to Having a Problem. I'm Nikki Druce. And I'm Neil Murray. It's Neil's first time doing a podcast and so far he's engrossed in his phone so it's going well. I'm opening up links here for uh, relevant content. Okay, we're getting there. Yeah. This is a show called Having a Problem. Why have we called it Having a Problem? And firstly, who are you? Um, I've been sent from the centre of YouTube because they said that um, you're not hitting all four quadrants. You've got the true crime thing. You've got the drag queen thing, but what you really need is a white middle class guy to do your podcast because you're not fulfilling your side of the quota on that. Every 
every podcast has to have a, a white middle class guy in it now. And middle aged. And middle aged, yeah. <laughs> and medium sized. All the mediums. Yeah. Extra medium? Hey, I'm extra medium, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> I'm here to temper the uh, the fruitiness of your presentation style oh. with some real boringness. Oh, am I too fruity? <laughs> I don't think I've ever been described well, as too fruity. You're like Kipling cake, crusty and fruity. <laughs> you can't call me crusty. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're fine, I can. So Neil Murray is my long-suffering other half. Mm-hmm. We've been together eight years now. Yeah. Known each other for... 20? Probably 20 more? years. Yeah. We spent a long time fancying each other, but both of us just kept on going, hee <laughs> and running away for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And then we finally got it together. And now we live together in London. Neil was the one that made me move to London, so therefore you've got him to blame for all of this. Yeah. And we live in a lovely, snug little flat. Some might say small. I say snug. It's very, uh, very cosy. Neil tried to gaslight me earlier on into saying our flat was large. Well, relatively large for London, that's a big qualifier. It's not a studio flat. <laughs> it's relatively it's relatively large for a cupboard. It's relatively yeah. small for a mansion. The show concept we decided to come up with was you and I have regular problems. Yeah, on all fronts, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, quite often when we're struggling, we say to each other, are you having a problem? And yeah, I'm having a problem. <laughs> I'm having a problem. Yeah. So as far as content, I can't see the supply of problems ever really drying up between the two of us. No, it's true. So the the show's concept is we will have a problem with something every week. So the topic this week is... Robots. Robots. Robots is like one of my core things. Yeah, Nikki loves a robot. I do love a robot. She she did a little cry when she heard that you could get um, robot delivery, delivery guys in the area <laughs> she used to live in. They were testing them. But I, I saw one, but I never got one. No. They exist. I have the app on my phone just in case it might happen at some point. I think they've, they've stopped now, though, haven't they? they um, no, they they're did still a trial. doing them. They're still doing them. Yeah, it's literally yeah. over a main road from us. But they never stray down this side of the road anymore, do they? No. We moved like 100 metres and it was out of the robot zone and he's just been crying ever since. Yeah, it's true. I did meet a robot once and do a cry, didn't I? It's true. We went to a robot exhibition at the um, Science Museum. Science Museum, Museum. yeah. Yeah, with uh, all the AI and stuff. And yeah, she met a a little teaching robot, wasn't it? Yeah. There were some really spooky um, child robots and stuff, like really human ones, but there's some cute sort of wall-y looking... Uh, robots that, uh, that like had the, the right balance of n- not being in the uncanny valley, uh, but just being cute, aren't they? And doing little robot things. You love yeah. it. Yeah. And he made me hold his hands so we could fly away. Oh, yeah. He told you a little story. Didn't yeah. He? he told me a little story. And then he was like, hold my hands and put his hands out. And then I cried. <laughs> <laughs> I still, I'm still crying now. Yeah. It's making me cry again. <laughs> I just bloody love robots. Robots are amazing. <laughs> but inherently, with this sort of thing there will be a problem yeah and so we have to get to what the root of the problem is with mm-hmm. robots and then we'll be asking a robot to find out if they can fix the problem with the robots yeah so uh, we're, we've each got a little bit of a uh, bit of news or information we've found on the internet about robots to discuss and then once we've had a bit of a think about it we'll feed it into the old old faithful chat gpt 
and see what solution the internet comes up with for the problem. Okay. had a problem this week we went went to crystal palace on saturday uh to see iggy pop and blondie and various others and we thought we'd been very clever we got the bus all the way around to the main entrance and there was a huge arrow pointing towards the entrance and we went down there and we asked a guy and we said is this the way and he went oh it's definitely the way it's definitely the way and we walked down this little narrow path which got narrower and narrower up by a wire fence and forced us into some thorns and eventually ran out and we persevered for a bit and then we turned around and walked back up to the guy he's like oh yeah no no it's it's not down there (laughs) thanks mate and it turns out the big arrow was pointing completely the wrong direction and the usher pointed us in completely the wrong direction and we had to walk for ages to get to the actual entrance and nikki didn't like that did he no no. Uh, this was also going to be my problem of the week as well. Yeah. So, yeah, can we have a shared problem of the week? Oh, yeah, it, w- it was a shared problem because yeah. here's, here's a sponsor we're never going to get, Festival Republic. Yeah, fuck those guys. They they can't organise <laughs> anything. They uh, they pointed us in the wrong direction twice for this festival on, on the weekend. And we went to a festival of theirs a couple of years ago in Finsbury Park. Five years ago. For Queens of the Stone Age. And all the staff had called in sick. So yeah. no word of a lie, the beer queue was four hours long. Yeah. I've never seen such a bunch of sober, thirsty-looking people at a festival in my entire life. And there wasn't even water. There was like one water trough, yeah. and that was it. Um, so yeah, Festival Republic have not pulled their socks up at all about it. It did. It uh, got the day off to a bad start. Yeah. We got in there, and they only had Carlsberg yeah. for beer as well, which was not good. We're in no. London the epicentre of craft beer, you'd think they would have at least some variety, but no. I did see somebody with a can of Hobgoblin, but I ain't drinking that. Festival Republic, sort your lives out. Yeah, so now we've uh, burnt that bridge. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) P.S. Sponsorers. (laughs) By the time I got to the festival, I'd had enough, hadn't I? Yeah, Nikki was just enraged. She, She was so enraged... She couldn't even bring herself to look at the merch stand. No, I'd had enough by that point. the red mist had descended. Yeah, and I was hot and I was sweaty and there was only Carlsberg and I I needed a wee, but I'd already been for a wee and I didn't want to then have to go for another wee. And then when I did go for a wee, there was no toilet roll in the toilet and then I had to find tissues in my bag and luckily I'd already put some tissues in my bag because I'm smart. (laughs) The silver lining was Iggy Pop was great. Iggy Pop was great. And Blondie were really good as well. Blondie were really good as well. I was pleasantly surprised surprised i had a really good time i did a little cry at iggy pop um mm-hmm. I'd, i'm not i'm not one for doing a little cry usually am she, i don't but, don't let her fool you she's always at it. <laughs> but i've mentioned several times now that i've done a little cry i don't yeah. usually do little cries okay yeah I'm no, not, i believe you. normally pretty tough i do a little iggy cry pop. the slightest drop of uh music in any film will just set me off a little cry yeah oh i remember once you cried at a cat i showed you Oh, I, cried very, a, I cried at a picture of a cat. polar bear in um, in a bookshop in, in Cardiff once as well. <laughs> I went to see um, Brian Cox and Robin Ince. Yeah. And I stopped into TK Maxx to kill some time before I went in. And in the children's section, there was a big book about polar bears. And I had a look and I was like, oh, just so, I love polar bears so much. <laughs> I remember you did a cry in TK Maxx about something else that we found as well. Possibly. Spatula. A bachelor. I said a spatula. You won't find any bachelors in TK Maxx. They're all married. (laughs) Okay. On that note, 
Shall we move on to find out what the problem is with robots? Yeah, so hopefully I've grasped the concept of this correctly and I've found a little news segment about robots and their interactions with humans. Okay. I take it you're going first then? Yeah, I'm the guest. All right. Are you going to be the guest every week? Maybe. Okay. (laughs) Whoever wins gets to go first next time. How how do do we win? Yeah, exactly. Oh. Um, So this is a, a little news clip from... May 2023, so pretty recent, on a website called mothership.sg. Sounds legit. If you want to check my sources and see what you think. So Mothership, the headline is Robot Barista Malfunctions and Pours Coffee Dramatically on the Ground. On on the ground? On the grind? On the ground. Onto the ground. Oh. This isn't um, this isn't the one that you've come up with? No. No? Okay. It says, one diner quipped the robot had been frightened by its audience. Oh, frightened? So the the article goes like this. Uh, Spills, as any F&B worker would know, are an inevitable part of life in the industry. And this goes for inanimate staff members too. A Facebook user caught a particular robot barista having a bit of a rough day. So user Kato posted the video of the incident on the Facebook group Hawkers United. Um, I'll show you the video in a, in a minute. You can, uh, it's going to work really well it works really in an well audio format, I think. Yeah, yeah. She says, this is the reason why robot baristas cannot replace human beings. In the video, the robot accidentally sets the container down askew, eliciting an I.O. from an onlooker. Oh. It then lifts up the jug and promptly starts to execute an impressive coffee pour. <laughs> and it's doing the old cocktail thing where you pour it from one hand to the other. Oh, no. Like in a big, big brown arc. Like an arc, Yeah. <laughs> Um, except, given the lopsided container, the beverage goes straight onto the floor. Oh. Cue alarm from the audience. Oh my goodness, goes on onlooker. <laughs> as, as the robot returns the now emptied jug to its original position. As the robot then attempts and fails to pour more coffee, apparently befuddled, a male staff member approaches the machine and readjusts the toppled container. The reactions to the barista robot were mixed. Some counted it as evidence that robots are unable to replace humans, while others were more forgiving. Terry Tan says, Come on, guys, stop cyber-shaming the poor robot. Aww. He'll learn eventually and become good enough to replace humans. I think, are you on the side of the robot here? Oh, I, I feel like surely the robot has made a mistake. I would have thought that there would be some kind of levelling application that would stop it from picking up something in a weird direction yeah you would you would think i'll, I'll show you the video and and you realize that it's not like a fully in- integrated machine uh, okay it is they've got like a robot arm and there's just like a stovetop like a normal kitchen right with a big kettle on, on the stovetop he's trying oh. to pour it into okay. so i think you could easily forgive him for for not putting it down flat the guy that stood there doing it is having trouble putting it down flat and another reader eugene chan said New workers also need to learn and make some mistakes along the way. Same with automation. Yeah, I think that's fair. Imagine if it's a person behind there and you take this video and he spilled the coffee. Would you go AO? Well, I probably would go AO. So that's that's the article. That's the whole article. Okay. Um, have a look at the uh, the little videos. Of course, you've been accosted by a cat now, so you can't actually stand yeah, up Yeah, I'm going to have to throw this across the, the, Don't uh, throw the room at me. to you. Or else I'll go AO. So there's a, there's a still picture at the top, and if you scroll down, there's a couple of little videos of it all going going wrong and the robot having a problem. Okay, I'm gonna watch the video now and live react to it. Oh, it's, it's not like a full video link; it's just a little GIF. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it won't take you long. Oh no! So yeah, I see see what he's done there. So he's put it down, but then it's he's let go, but then the coffee pot has fallen. Yeah. And then he's trying to pour. He's picked up the other one and he's trying to pour it in. But he can't do that because it's now 
sideways. <laughs> yeah, that's it, it's it's like doing something in our kitchen where there's a bunch of crap lying around all over the place. It's yeah. not like a sterile factory situation. No. But um, then, then the guy that's working there puts his hand inside the coffee pot, which yeah. seems like a really bad idea. I don't think this robot's had the best trainers in the world, to no, be honest. No, it doesn't look like it. But then he seems to... He manages it after that. I'm not sure if this is something that needs to be done. I really. don't think it needs to be done. I think it's a bit of a gimmick. Yeah, I think a coffee machine, a Max Packs, could produce <laughs> could produce a cup of coffee without that, spillage. That is a robot. But we love we love a, a more humanoid robot, don't we? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, a big box is all very well, but it's you not put googly eyes on it. Yeah, it doesn't really look like the future. You want robot arms at the very least, don't you? And that's what they've done here. I quite like a seventies style looking robot, though. Yeah, they've br- they yeah. brought in a robot arm where a an actual n- arm. an espresso machine. Yeah, could work fine. Yeah, and we yeah we think oh these things aren't robots in our houses, but. Uh, we want we want an actual little little man, don't we? A little yeah. a little robot man to do stuff for us. That's yeah. the dream. Yeah, I don't I don't think anybody's job is is in danger there. Yeah, I think you're okay. The Max Packs still reigns supreme. Did you have one in your parents' garage? Maybe no, nah, no, nah, that, that was the pre Max Packs era. Oh, okay. And had ones in various warehouses I worked in. Neil's parents used to own a garage, which is why I asked that. Not like in their yeah. standard. See, spe- speaking of, of automation, my parents owned a garage which was not self-service. So I worked in the garage, and I had to go and serve petrol into people's cars, Aww. like that, like that robot. That robot took my job. <laughs> the robot literally didn't take your job. It didn't. You yeah, didn't. But metaphorically, at a distance of half the world away, with a different liquid, it's trying to take my job, and it's failing. No, I think I think you're safe. There. You always side with the robots, don't you? That's the, <laughs> that's the problem. I will always side with the robots. That is correct. Um, right, have you got a little a little article, a little bit of news? Well, my my two kind of link together. Okay, sort of. Cool. Well, yeah. Let's let's hear them then, and me and Boots here will react. I like robots, right? Yep. I like old stuff, yeah? Yep. I like robots and old stuff. So you're saying steampunk. So I'm going for nerd. old robots. Okay. Okay. So have you ever heard of boilerplate? I mean, I know the phrase boilerplate. It's a, it's a robot as well, is it? Yeah. Right. Where's that from? This is from HTTPS dot dot. No, hang on. Colon slash slash. Okay. That's <laughs> enough personal information. Thanks. <laughs> I know how to use the internet. Okay, cool. <laughs> www.theinternet.com <laughs> do, do you remember when websites first became a thing and every time there would be a website at the end of like a TV program or something, they'd always say www. Yeah, yeah, you, you have to stop me reading it out all the time. So it's www. <laughs> so this is from timetunnel.bigredhair.com. Boilerplate was unveiled in 1893 by Professor Archibald Campion. Built as a prototype soldier for use in resolving the conflicts of nations, Boilerplate served with Roosevelt's Rough Riders and fought alongside Pancho Villa? 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 Pancho Villa? These names I've heard, yes, Roosevelt, Pancho Villa. Yeah. And the robot fought alongside normal human soldiers yeah so he was a robot soldier back in what the 50s uh no 1893 okay (laughs) 
Boilerplate was a mechanical man developed by Professor Archibald Campion during the 1880s and unveiled at the 1893 World's Columbian Exposition. Okay. Built in a small Chicago laboratory, Boilerplate was a prototype soldier built for preventing the deaths of men in the conflicts of nations. I'm visualising some rickety robot with like a, a wooden barrel for a chest. I will show you a and picture. And a kettle on top of it. He looks really cool. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he is exactly what you would think yeah. a robot in this time would right. look like. <laughs> okay. With human flesh stretched over it. Well, no, I'm going to okay. go on to that. <laughs> Although it was the only such prototype, Boilerplate was eventually able to exercise its proposed function in several combat actions. Okay. Boilerplate embarked on a series of expeditions to demonstrate its abilities, the most ambitious being a voyage to Antarctica. Boilerplate is one of history's great ironies, a technological milestone that remains largely unknown. Right. Well, I've certainly never heard of it. Uh, Professor Archie's talents and his obsession with technology eventually earned him a lucrative income. In 1882, he filed a variety of patents for valvular conduits and polyphase electric systems. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which sounds, sounds very advanced, yet very Victorian at the same yeah. time, yeah. Within three years, royalties from Westinghouse Electric made Archie a millionaire, which you think millionaire back in that day. Yeah, that's good going. Billionaire, pretty mm. much. Uh, it was with this windfall that he financed his next project, Boilerplate. Okay. In 1886, Archie Campion, because, well, when you think about it, it would, back then, trying to think of making something like that. Yeah, it would be all steam. So much All money steam and gas it. powered and stuff. Yeah. It's crazy, yeah. Because when was electricity like properly when yeah, did I mean, they first have that's like, like electric late lights? victorian era when they were when they were putting electric lights up finally yeah um, so people had them by like the end of the 1800s didn't yeah they? yeah so, yeah so that would make sense so this hmm. is 18 1886 in 1886 archie campion abruptly stopped filing patents and became more reclusive in 1888 he built a small laboratory in chicago and began constructing his mechanical man which makes me think that he might have gone slightly mad by this point. Yeah, he stopped filing patents and constructed himself a metal friend. <laughs> I have made metal friend. Yeah. <laughs> Between 1888 and 1891, there are no known mentions of Campion in print. When Archie applied for a space in the machinery hall of the 1893 World's Columbian Exposition, he disclosed his project to fair organisers. Apparently, they were impressed enough to give him a space well toward the entrance. Right. Which... So this was like after, what, seven years of isolation between 86 and 93? Yeah, I can imagine at this point he went in with a normal haircut and has come out now. He's got like long Einstein. fingernails. <laughs> and yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. I've built Metal Man. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> And they're like, yeah, all right, mate, you can go near the door, all right? <laughs> you smell a bit. <laughs> yeah, okay, fine, yeah, just don't lean so close. Yeah. Despite unusual publicity tours, not a lot of documentation remains of the inventor and his proudest creation. Boilerplate's presumed destruction in 1918 changed Archie's status from obscure to non-existent. He died where he was born in Chicago, Illinois, I Illinois. <laughs> yeah, seems, seems right to me. Uh, whenever I end up pronouncing anything on any show, somebody's always like, you're saying it wrong. Yeah. When they say Chicago, they'll be like, it's Chicago. 
Yeah, just re- <laughs> just do it in several different ways, and they can pick which they prefer. Yeah, exactly. On October thirtieth, nineteen thirty-eight. This is from Wikipedia. The robot's most notable achievement was an expedition to the Antarctic, during which it saved the lives of its team members by single-handedly moving ice floes, clearing a path for the ship they were on board to sail out. Designed for the self-proclaimed purpose of preventing the deaths of men in the conflicts of nations, boilerplate charged into combat during the Spanish-American War and the Boxer Rebellion. Right. But isn't the Boxer Rebellion um, uh, was in was it Hong Kong and China, I think? No idea. Probably should have looked that up. I'll look it up while you, while you keep, keep talking, keep talking. Okay. The robot's inventor, Campion, went on to tour his masterpiece around the world and went on to serve with the US Navy. Nikola Tesla and Mark Twain were said to be quite taken with the design and story of Boilerplate, so they both met the robot. He even made a background appearance in a silent movie. See, I'm, I'm now visualising him charging into battle like one of those um, those robot things, the, the games you used to see advertised on a Saturday morning where they're like spinning top robots. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they're charging and bash against each other. I, 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 I'm having a hard time imagining it's an actual walking I robot that won't just more, fall over. <laughs> like if he was clearing ice flows, I imagine him to be more like a boat with a face. <laughs> a, ta- a, a tank or some, yeah. like, yeah, like the um, the robot wars. <laughs> Yeah. Type type robots yeah. rather than anything humanoid. Um, hang on, here we go. Boxer Rebellion. Uh, it was an anti-foreign, anti-colonial, anti-Christian uprising in China between 1899 and 1901. Hmm. Rebels were known as boxers in English because many of its members had practised Chinese martial arts, which at the time were referred to as Chinese boxing. Insurrection was terminated by a shonky robot who walked up to the battlefield and fell up. No, that that bit's not not true. I made that bit up. Yeah, there's no mention of boilerplate on here, I'm afraid. A shonky-ass robot. He he can't get a break. (laughs) Anyway, you're saying yes. Okay, so Boilerplate was active in the First World War but disappeared during the relief of Major Whittlesey's Lost Battalion. I don't know what that is, but something. War history is not my thing. No. Well, really. you could learn something from this podcast. Yeah, I could. Couldn't Major Whittlesey's Lost Battalion. Yeah. You can look up that as well. Possibly having been captured by the Germans for study. Supporters of this theory point out that German military technology advances tremendously in the 20 years between the two world wars, encompassing guided rockets, experimental jets and sophisticated tanks. Post-World War II, Boilerplate is cited on a number of occasions, often in Chicago, but by this time he had become a bit of a novelty and was retired out of service. No one knows what happened to him, but it's believed Campion may have sold him when he fell on hard times later in life. Robot just sat at home in a pile of broken bulbs and valves, drinking oil. Yeah. Watching robot TV. Yeah. Yeah. Being a sad robot. The Lost Battalion is the name given to the nine companies of the US 77th Division, roughly 554 men isolated by German forces in World War One. Okay. Do you want to see a picture of Boilerplate? I do want to see him because, okay. like I say, I've got a, I've got a hunch this is going to be just a big box with a with a pointy stick on it or something. He looks exactly as you would imagine a Victorian robot to look like. Really, like that robot from uh, from Return to Oz. Do you have a big bushy moustache? There he is. Oh, look at him. He looks amazing. He's, he's got like a World War One tin hat on, like one of those flat flying saucer looking ones. And he's like a boiler. He looks like a, a boiler from someone's basement, like a Victorian round boiler with arms stuck on it. He's got a little scarf on there, has he? Yes. He's got a scarf on, obviously, to keep his robot neck warm. <laughs> yeah. And he's got little boggly eyes. <laughs> and he looks like he's going, 
Nood, nood. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. No, and he's, he's, he's standing like a foot taller than the, the soldiers all around him. I reckon he's just something they wheeled around. I don't think he did anything at all. Do you think? Yeah, look at him. No, there was no robots back then. You can't even make a robot walk around these days. If he was rolling around on a, on a battlefield, it's not the most even ground in the world. It's true. <laughs> he would just fall over. And, um, I mean, I've, I've had toy robots and you can get, can't get them to stand up. Uh, Nikki's getting getting the ump now because I'm dissing robots. <laughs> She's like, no, robots are cool, all right? <laughs> They're cool. <laughs> I think boilerplate is a big nerd. Do you want me to continue on? Yeah, go on. <laughs> boilerplate. History's mechanical marvel is the fanciful creation of a husband and wife team, Paul Gwynnon and Anina Bennett, who have richly imagined a biography of the world's first military robot and inserted him into accurate retellings of history. Ah. Boilerplate is a fictional robot which would have existed in the Victorian era and early 20th century. It was created in 2000. Import. I thought it sounded too good to be true. <laughs> but it had you going though, didn't it? You ah. believed it. <laughs> Uh, created in 2000 by Paul Gwynnon. Originally intended for comics, the character became known via a faux historical website created by Gwynnon and has since appeared in other media. Maybe that's where I'd heard the name then. Quite possibly. Boilerplate was originally featured on a website created by Paul Gwynnon in 2000. The Boilerplate site details the history of a remarkable robot built in the late 19th century and features photoshopped archival images in which Boilerplate, actually a 12-inch articulated model, is seen interacting Uh with historical figures such as Teddy Roosevelt and Pancho Villa. Was anybody fooled by this? So he's like the Forrest Gump of robots as he's he's been spliced into uh, historical footage. You did Nikki's like looking looking like what Forrest Gump wasn't real. No. <laughs> Forrest Gump was For- real. Shut up. <laughs> Becoming aware that some visitors to the site were taken in by its contents, making it an unintentional hoax, Gwynnum resolved to see how authentic he could make the character seem working to ensure the descriptions of non-fictional events were accurate. He explained his motivation in a 2002 interview. Certainly, I felt happy about having achieved my goal, he said. Of being a big fibber, (laughs) telling a big fib on the internet. Well done. which you fell for. Well done. You fooled us all. Hope you feel good about yourself. I put this thing across as trying to be real and people bought into it. So that's a success. (laughs) But as an amateur historian, I feel a responsibility to get the story right. Yeah. So I felt bad about some of these people right. being hoaxed. Good. <laughs> <laughs> it was a mixed bag. But I thought if I was getting this reaction and I wasn't really trying, then what would happen if I really tried? And then he invented Donald Trump and everybody <laughs> fell for it. They, they <laughs> believed this ridiculous character actually existed and was president of the USA. Please tell me. Please tell me that's correct. Uh, Gwynnon estimated that roughly a third of the site's visitors treated its faux history as real. Mm. Comedian Chris Elliott, while realising that Boilerplate was fictional, thought that the spoof dated back to the 19th century and included the character in one of his books. Gwynnon later expanded his website into the history of robots in the Victorian era, which features other turn-of-the-century robots, both real and imagined. So, if it's all made up... This reminds me of... When I was writing a, an essay at university, yes, I was doing a, um, a, a, a had to do an essay about medical leaps forward theories of disease was the was the project, yeah, 
And being a diligent student, I started doing it a day before the due date was in, and I went over to the library. This was also a microfiche and um, an actual paper archives of, of old medical journals and stuff. Mm. And I was I was looking for something about about allergies, I think, and I found this article about the medicinal benefits of chicken soup. Nice. Um, and I was like, right, I'll base my article on this. And I was I was basically you know doing what you do you transcribe it you change some of the words so it looks like your own thing copy and paste and after after like four or five hours of doing this I reached towards the end of the article and this article was saying like the key bit of evidence they had in in, in the British Medical Journal was about the medicinal benefits of chicken soup. There's this farmer and he had two chickens and one of them got ill mm. and he killed the other chicken. And made, it and made soup. chicken soup out of it and fed it to the other chicken, which got better. And at this stage, I turned the journal over and realised it was published on the 1st of April. Oh. And I had to redo my whole essay in overnight on something oh, else because no. I, I fell for it like a big idiot. And this is the sort of behaviour from <laughs> supposed <laughs> scientists that you're encouraging right now. <laughs> I hope you're happy. Your poor planning does not... <laughs> <laughs> elicit my problem ah. <laughs> so if that's all made up mm-hmm. what actually was the world's first humanoid robot the world's first humanoid robot yeah the, the, the one in metropolis doesn't count no no that's not an actual robot that's no. just film yeah you'd be telling me forrest gump's not real next what about that, that robot that does the little dance the japanese one from the beck video uh As- asimov asimo asimo yeah. Is it Asimo? I don't know. Or is it one of those um, Boston Dynamics robots? No, Boston Dynamics is like fairly recent, isn't it? Yeah. So the first humanoid robot that didn't fall over like a big nerd. Oh, no, these these fellow. Okay, right. That's right. It's, right. N- it's not like the first good humanoid robot. I it don't know. Are we, are we talking robot. Um, 1970s, sort of Vietnam era? I'm always thinking it's probably military related, isn't it? You might be correct. Yeah. So this is from HTTPS. <laughs> Go on, read it all out. You know, I love it when you do that. Colon forward slash forward slash www.humanoid.wasida.ac.jp forward slash booklet forward slash Cato underscore two dot HTML. Great. <laughs> this is ripped directly from their website. Okay. It's been forecast that robots will penetrate society in 21st century, not only in secondary industry, but also in the service industry. In that case, robots will be required to have anthropomorphic appearance sand faculties. Appearances and faculties. There we Is go. that what they're saying? <laughs> yes. Okay. Spell check robots, that sort of thing. Yeah, they don't have those. <laughs> in other words, since the robots that play active roles in the secondary industry are assessed as substitutions of human labour power, the robots being developed for the future should have an ability to deal with information as well as a person does. Okay. Developing the anthropomorphic intelligent robot, Wabot. Wabot. Okay. Wabot. Yeah. Uh, which stands for Wasida Robot, Okay, was then started aiming to finally develop a personal robot, which is in And this is the commas. kind of robot you want, isn't it? A personal robot rather yes. than a, yes. a specific like, job-related robot arm. Yes. Okay. Which resembled a person as much as possible. 
Four laboratories in the School of Science and Engineering of Waseda University joined to set up the Bioengineering Group, which started the Wabot project in 1970. There you go. See, I may be easily fooled by Victorian robots, but I'm spot on with uh, with post-war robots. Yeah, didn't you study this? Uh, studied science and media, yeah. yeah. I thought you did, like... Oh, I did electronic engineering as well, yeah. Yeah. I was, I, was, I was really, really bad at electronic engineering. Yeah, though. apparently so. Yeah. <laughs> Our laboratory has taken charge of the limb control system in the Wabot, which consists of the artificial limbs and their control system. I can't help but laugh at Wabot because it just Wabot. makes me think of a robot that's got really massive boobs. <laughs> have, you got any, have you got any information about that kind of robot? <laughs> Not for you. Uh. <laughs> Okay, and then I've got pictures of Wabot. All right. <laughs> it's decidedly show me. It's decidedly devoid of wabs. I'm ah, afraid. what's the point? <laughs> okay, so Wabot one <laughs> lived from 1970 to 1973. Okay, not a very long time, I'm afraid. Mm -hmm. The Wabot one was the first fun scale. I think they mean full scale, but fun, well, fun scale, scale I like. Yeah. <laughs> anthropomorphic robot developed in the world that consisted of a limb control system a vision system and a conversation system okay the wabot one was able to communicate with a person in japanese and to measure distances and directions to the objects using external receptors artificial ears and eyes oh i'm, I'm just imagining like a table with with a robot robot voice robot ears robot eye and an arm laid down next to each other now well i'll show you pictures in a second and you can see um it also has an artificial mouth the wabot one walked with his lower limbs and was able to grip and transport objects with hands that use tactile sensors it was es it was estimated that the wabot one has the mental faculty of a one and a half year old child okay wabot one consisted of the wham four as its artificial hands, and the WL5, its artificial legs. Okay. And that's the Wabot 1. Do you want to hear about Wabot 2? Are you going to show me a picture of Wab Wabot 1? You want to see Wabot 1? Yeah. Wabot 1 is very tiny, and you wear glasses. So, you see it? It looks like a person, but made out of uh, stickle bricks. Okay. Yeah, it's a bit stickle bricky. Okay, uh, I'm getting a vague outline. Right, okay. I can probably zoom in. Hang on. Do it. Yes. Oh, yeah. No, that's... Yeah, that's pretty cool. I like that. That's, that's quite um, yeah. quite Stanley Kubrick looking. Yeah. I like it. Good. Can you imagine him walking around? Well done, Wham One. Is it Wham One? <laughs> Wabot One. Wabot One. <laughs> Wabot Two didn't come along until 1980. Okay. In 1980, our laboratories joined in a joint project again and commenced the Wabot Two project. Playing a keyboard instrument was set up as an intelligent task that the Wabot 2 aimed to accomplish. Okay, I see, I see they didn't want it to set up for it to play, play a bass, because no. that's not any sign of intelligence at all. No. Okay, cool. This is from Neil Murray, who's in a band. <laughs> Just dissing your bass player, though. There won't be any bassists listening to this. No, it's true. They yeah. don't have ears. They could, they could, they <laughs> Playing a keyboard instrument was set up as an intelligent task that the Wabot 2 aimed to accomplish, since an artistic activity such as... I've had a gin now. Hey. <laughs> Aim to accomplish, since an artistic activity such as playing a keyboard instrument would require human-like intelligence and dexterity. 
Therefore, the Wabot 2 was defined as a specialist robot rather than a versatile robot like the Wabot 1. Yeah. Oh, it's like artificial intelligence. There's specific intelligence and general intelligence. Yeah. And general intelligence and general robots are the ones that just act like humans. They'd be a, your robot, robot buddy. Yeah. Whereas robot the specific friend. ones are your robot arms, your conveyor belts, your coffee machines, whatever. The robot musician Wabot 2 can converse with a person, read a normal musical score with its eye, and play tunes of average difficulty on an electronic organ. Okay, so better than a guitarist already, because they can't read music and can't communicate with other musicians. And they only have one eye as well. It's true. The Wabot 2 is also able of accompanying a person while he listens to the person singing. The Wabot 2 was the first milestone in developing a personal robot. And then, is is this the guy from Sparks, then? Yes. Yeah, Ron Mail. Do you want to see Wabot 2? If this looks like Ron Mail, I'll be extremely impressed. I'm going to make the picture bigger. Has he got the same moustache as Hitler, yeah? All it's done is... Stupid robots. Oh, what's the problem? You having a problem? <laughs> I'm having a problem. Oh, there we go. She said the, ti- she said the title. <laughs> I said the thing. There he is. Oh, he's got like a little video camera he's for a head. Video camera for And he's head. sat hunched over a keyboard... Um, with his elbows back, yeah. about to play, play a little riff. Yeah. He looks pretty cool. I like him. He does look pretty cool. I like him too. Yeah. He has got he's, he has got feet as well. Has he? Yeah. So I assume probably if he was playing an organ, he'd be able to... He'd be able to manipulate the, uh, the pedals. Yeah. Ah, good. Yeah. So then, after that, the same company went on to experiment with creating bipedal robots and making artificial muscles, which work in a similar way to our own by using electrical impulses. Okay. However, it's very difficult to replicate humans in robot form. Robots are better suited to being robots, but not humans. So whilst we would all love a Robbie the Robot to carry out our household chores, the robots in our homes currently are more likely to be what we end up with, such as Alexa and robot vacuums. Yeah, it's true. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. 
For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Okay. Yeah. Got another one? Um, I've got another one. It'll just be a quick one. Okay. Worst robotic accidents in history. Okay. After a chess robot breaks a seven-year-old boy's finger in <laughs> Russia. <laughs> Why are you laughing? This is serious. So this shocking footage emerged of a chess-playing robot breaking a child's finger during a chess match in Russia. A spokesperson from the Russian Chess Federation said the boy violated the safety rules yeah, well, he did. by making a move too soon. Yeah, well, there you go. And the robot was like, you little bitch, I'm yeah, going to exactly. break your finger for that. <laughs> I'm having that. These are the rules. You may have heard this, listeners, but it bears repeating again because Nikki finds it hilarious. Um, let's see if I can find a source that isn't the Daily, um, Mail. the Daily Mail. Russian chess robot breaks finger. Ah, The Guardian. I can get on board with that. Moscow incident occurred because the child violated safety rules by taking a turn too quickly, says official. Last week, according to Russian media outlets, a chess-playing robot, apparently unsettled by the quick responses of a child, <laughs> unceremoniously grabbed and broke his finger during a match in the Moscow Open. Yeah, cheating. The robot broke the child's finger, Sergei Sergei Lazarev, president of the Moscow Chess Federation, told TASS, adding that the machine had played many previous exhibitions without upset. His quote says, this is, of course, bad. <laughs> is it or is it funny? Bad or funny. This is, yeah, this is what mm. we're going to judge, isn't it? Video of the 19th of July incident published by the Baza Telegram channel shows the boy's finger being pinched by the robotic arm for several seconds before a woman followed by three men rush in, free him and usher him away. They rush in or they rush out. So he's out. like, come here, you little shit. I'll show you how to play chess. You missed my joke. Yeah, what are you saying? They rush in or they rush out? Oh, God. Dad jokes, all right. Sergei Smagin, there's all all Sergeis at the Russian Chess Federation here, the vice president of the Russian Chess Federation, told Baza the robot appeared to pounce after it took one of the boy's pieces. Rather than waiting for the machine to complete its move, the boy opted for a quick riposte, he said. There are certain safety rules and the child apparently violated them. So the, the, the solution to breaking the, the safety protocol was like, I'll show you a real safety issue. Um, <laughs> when he made his move, he did not realise the first one had to wait, Smagan said. This is an extremely rare case, the first I can recall, he added. Lazarev had a different account, saying the child had made a move, and after that we need to give time for the robot to answer. But the boy hurried, and the robot grabbed him. Either way, he said, the robot suppliers are going to have to think again. Baza named the boy as Christopher and said he was one of the 30 best chess players in the Russian capital in the under-9s category. People rushed to help and pulled out the finger of the young player, but the fracture could not be avoided. Oh, a fractured oh, finger from a robot. Oh, yeah. Uh, Lazarev told Tass that Christopher, whose finger was put in a plaster cast, did not seem overly traumatised by the attack. The child played the very next day and finished the tournament. Did he Vol- win? Volunteers helped to record the moves, he said. I don't know if he did. The robot was like, yeah, you're not going to win on my... I suppose the robot would be on firmer ground for, for getting an opponent out of the tournament if it was in like an archery contest or something, yeah. or 10-pin bowling. Yeah. Robot, not too smart, doesn't realise the human finger is merely part of the uh, the chess-playing apparatus of the average nine-year-old. Yeah, seven-year-old. So, or, or even the seven-year-old, Yes. His parents, however, have reportedly contacted the public prosecutor's office. We will communicate, figure it out, and try and help in any way we can, he said. Smagan told RIA Novosti the incident was a coincidence, a 
and the robot was absolutely safe, apart from during the specific <laughs> few seconds when it was assaulting when it a child. decided to break a child's finger. The machine, which can play multiple matches at a time. And break and several. And break all the, everybody's <laughs> fingers at the same time. Several <laughs> child's fingers. Yeah. Several children's fingers? Yeah, you feed the fingers in and it breaks them all okay. simultaneously okay. Um, at a time. And had reportedly already played three on the day it encountered Christopher. Was unique, he said. It has performed at many opens. Apparently children need to be warned. It happens. Mm. There you go. No contrition at all there. A Russian grandmaster. Guess what his name is? Sergei? Yes, Sergei Karjakin said the incident was no doubt due to some kind of software error or something, adding, this has never happened before, there are such accidents, I wish the boy good health, but he should have just backed off. (laughs) Christopher may have been lucky, while robots are becoming more and more sophisticated with most modern models capable of not just interacting, but actively breaking the fingers, no, (laughs) actively cooperating with humans, most simply repeat the same basic actions, grab, move, put down break yeah and neither know nor care if people get in the way according to one 2015 study one person is killed each year by an industrial robot in the u.s alone indeed according to the u.s occupational safety administration most occupational accidents since 2000 involving robots have been fatalities Mm. yeah and then goes on to talk about um about robots killing people in factories um yeah so there's there's a little article about the hilarious assault of a small child by a robot in Russia, <laughs> which is well, right up you your street. Much. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay, so what what do we think then, given the evidence we have heard so far? So what have we had? We've had a, a, a coffee robot that can't pour coffee. Yeah. We've had a a war robot that can't fight wars, partially because it's made up. Yeah. And a robot for playing a game that was a much more effective warrior <laughs> than the war robot. And also humanoid robots that aren't very good at humaning. Yeah. But then they're trying to emulate musicians and musicians aren't very good at humaning either. True. Yeah. So I'd say... In the whole horses for courses thing, it seems like, aside from your really boring ass, I'm a robot arm, I put a thing on a conveyor belt, we're getting some some overreach here a little bit. Yeah, I feel like we're so far away from robot friends. Like, yeah, it's robot friends you want, isn't it? Yeah, Boston Dynamics has kind of done it. But any of the other robot friends that we've met have just kind of been like an iPad in a robot case. Yeah. They're not they're not anything no, that's it's, super special. It's not like our dream of the future where you get a shiny robot friend to yeah, hang out with. That you walk around with and it's like, Hey robot friend, go and get me another drink, robot friend. Yeah. Do you feel like we're a long way away from that? Yeah. Yeah. Even with the acceleration in AI? Mm, it would still be an iPad though, wouldn't it, with some wheels. Yeah, so the the problem we need to ask of Chat GPT then is I guess, how far are we away from real robot friends? Okay, is that what we're asking than, it? Because there are robots. They do things right and wrong. This may not be a problem with robots, but it's a problem with what we're interested in, which is having a little robot friend like a pet Okay, to so, replace this cat. So the problem... <laughs> you nearly got bitten then. <laughs> yeah. She's going to break my finger. She's going to break your finger. So the the problem with robots is... They're not the way we hoped they would be. Yes. I think the problem with robots is they're not the way we thought they would be and they don't look like they're going to get there anytime soon. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. So while Nikki um, inputs these details into ChatGPT to find out what the solution to the problem is... I'm doing it right now. You can do it with the magic of internet. I've done it. You've done it, right. Yeah. So you ready for my little part? Yeah. So we ha- <laughs> I beg your pardon? <laughs> so we have got a sponsor. Okay. We've got a sponsor for this week. I'm just going to read out this little advert for you now. How and, much are they paying us? Um, I'll explain later. Okay. So... Here's, here's, the, here's the ad read. So, attention food lovers. Are you ready for a taste sensation that will blow your taste buds away? Introducing Patrick, the new culinary... <laughs> the new culinary masterpiece that will revolutionise your meals. Picture this. Succulent mackerel. <laughs> Su- succulent mackerel. Succulent mackerel, tangy gherkins. Yeah. <laughs> tangy gherkins and perfectly microwaved potatoes. <laughs> All combined into a symphony of flavours. A symphony? A symphony of flavours. With Patrick, you can create... <laughs> Behave! With Patrick, you can create a delicious meal in minutes. Oh. Patrick is not your ordinary dish. It's a quick and easy recipe that will leave you craving for more. Whether you're a busy professional, a student with a tight schedule, or simply looking for a mouth-watering treat, Patrick is here to save the day. (laughs) Say goodbye to boring meals and hello to the magic of Patrick. (laughs) With just a few simple steps, you'll be serving up a delightful plate of goodness that will make your taste buds dance with joy. And we have two testimonials here. Katie says, I couldn't believe how easy it was to make Patrick. It's become my go-to meal when I'm short on time. (laughs) And Govinda says, the combination of mackerel, gherkins and microwave potatoes (laughs) is simply divine. I'm addicted. So don't miss out on the culinary sensation that is Patrick. Try it today and experience the true meaning of flavour. You can visit their website at (laughs) www.try... Serious. You can visit their website at www.trypatrick.com for the full recipe and to discover more amazing dishes to tantalise your taste buds. Patrick. <laughs> the quick, easy and utterly delicious meal that will make you a culinary hero. Okay. So everybody visit trypatrick.com <laughs> and help out the podcast. Have you Googled if trypatrick.com... I don't even know if it exists. Okay, I'm going to Google it. Do you want to explain in the meantime... Trypatrick.com is, this is not a, a website, our, it's our sponsor. so you're okay. Okay, right. So it's not like something awfully right-wing. No, you're all right. Um, Patrick, it's it's our sponsor for the week. It's it's mackerel, potatoes and gherkins. Yeah. Which, at one point, Neil has made up this meal because... I had some I had some, some limited food options in the house, leftovers. And that's what I whipped up. And I was trying to explain to Nikki that um, it was potatoes and mackerel. And I was a bit tired, <laughs> and uh, my brain con- combined the words into one. Called it Patrick, so it's now called Patrick. <laughs> so it's Neil's favourite dinner. It's yeah. Patrick. It's it's simple. It's delicious. Yeah. It tantalises your taste buds. So there we go. Okay. Okay. Thank you for our sponsor. Please make sure you, you visit them or don't. I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> Okay, so ChatGPT, how far away are we from having robot friends? 
ChatGPT the concept of robot friends can be interpreted in different ways, ranging from simple companionship to complex emotional connections. Currently, we have various types of robots designed to interact with humans, such as social robots, virtual assistants, and companion robots. However, these robots do not possess true consciousness or emotions. In terms of creating robots that can simulate human-like friendships, we are still quite far away. Yes. While advancements in artificial intelligence and robotics have made significant progress in recent years, developing robots that can truly understand and empathize with human emotions is a complex challenge. Emotions involve a deep understanding of human psychology, context, and subjective experiences, which is difficult to replicate in machines. Researchers are actively exploring the field of social robotics and human-robot interaction to enhance the capabilities of robots in understanding and responding to human emotions. However, creating robots that can form genuine emotional connections and be considered true friends is likely to remain a distant goal for the foreseeable future. No. It's important to note that the idea of a robot friend can be subjective, as people may form attachments and emotional connections to robots even if they do not possess true consciousness or emotions. This phenomenon is known as the Eliza effect or the emotional machine fallacy, where individuals project their own emotions onto machines that lack genuine feelings. Sick burn from ChatGPT oh, there. Yeah, he's saying it's you losers <laughs> thinking we're your friends. We're not your friends. You br I'll break your fingers. <laughs> you think I'm your friend? I'm going to break your finger. <laughs> and that, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> is having a problem. And the problem was robots. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for coming. We like you a lot. Please stick around. Please let us know if you like it. If it's complete rubbish, don't let us know. <laughs> yeah, keep it to yourself. And keep break, it to yourself. Come over and break your, break finger. your fingers. <laughs> okay, thank you. Bye. Bye. Patrick. Thanks very much for listening to that episode. I hope you really enjoyed it. As I said, we had lots of fun making it. It was very, very silly. And um, we're really looking forward to making more. If you've got any suggestions for problems you would like us to solve or <laughs> leave unsolved for that matter, if this episode is anything to go by, then please do let us know. You can pop it in the comments on YouTube video or you can uh, email me as well. Everything is in the description below. Um, or pop me a comment on my social media. Um, thanks very much for listening i hope you really enjoyed it we had a great time as i said and um we'll look forward to having a problem with you next time please pop over to patreon that's where these episodes will live for the moment um and um we'd love to see you there the minimum sign up fee is three pounds which i think is about four dollars the link will be in the description so just make sure that you pop there Thanks very much for joining us today. I've been Nicky Druce and Neil Murray's not here at the moment, so he can't say that he's been Neil Murray, but he has been. And uh, we'll see you ghouls next time. Thanks for listening. Take care. Bye.